The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, if you want to uh, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 5 and 6, we are in um, a series at the moment uh, where we're walking through for seven weeks the first half of the book of Exodus. And Shane preached for us from uh, Exodus 3 and 4 last week where God came and met Moses in the burning bush. And today we're covering Exodus Exodus chapters 5 and 6. And so if you want to have your Bibles open, that would be really great. Um, Really today, I'm just going to do a really brief overview over chapters 5 and 6 and then drill down into one particular passage that I think is just really good for us to hear, really important for us to hear. So um, I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 5 verses 22 to Exodus chapter 6, verses 8. So I'll throw the words on the screen there. I'm reading from the CSB version. Um, whatever version you've got in front of you is great. So uh, let's read Exodus chapter, six, chapter 5, verses 22 to chapter 6, verses 8. So Moses went back to the Lord and asked, Lord, why have you caused trouble for this people? And why did you ever send me? Ever since I went into Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for this people, and you haven't rescued your people at all. But the Lord replied to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of a strong hand, he will let them go, and because of a strong hand, he will drive them from his land. Then God spoke to Moses, telling him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I was not known to them by my name, the Lord. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land they lived in as aliens. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and a great axe of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out, of, out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession." I am the Lord. One of um, the things that no one likes to hear when they've just made a wrong decision are four little words which are, I told you so. No one likes to hear that. When we've made a wrong decision, when we've picked the wrong lane, when we bought the wrong brand or chose the wrong flavor, nobody likes to be told, I told you so. If someone says to you, I told you so, it's their way of saying to you, I'm smarter than you and I saw this, I saw that this was going to be a bit of a problem. We don't like hearing the words, I told you so. It doesn't feel great to hear it, but it can feel quite uh, vindicating to say it. It can feel quite great to say to somebody, yeah, I told you that was going to happen. And wisdom should tell us that our I told you so's should be scarce if ever at all, if any at all. Now I say this because there's a massive 
I told you so in the passage that we're studying this morning. And it's Moses saying, I told you so to God. He says, I told you so to God because he had just reluctantly done, reluctantly done exactly what God had commanded to. And it backfired. Well, at least he thinks it backfired. Actually, it happened exactly as, he, as God planned it. What do we do when we feel like we're disobeying God? Sorry, what, sorry what, do we feel like we, we, what do we feel like we should do when we feel like we're obeying God and yet things go pear-shaped? How do we react when it doesn't seem that our prayers are answered, when our plans fall in their face? Those, those plans which we prayed about and those plans which we submitted to God and they, they, they fall on their face. We can be tempted then, like Moses, to come to God complaining, saying, God, what gives? Why didn't this come to pass? I knew this was going to happen. I told you so. And believe it or not, the act of coming to God and processing our frustrations and our angst and our anger with God is actually a really good thing for us to do. At the very least, it's far better than not coming to God about it or, or, or pressing it down or, or trying to look on the bright side or pretend like it didn't happen or even to blame ourselves for a lack of faith. You see, when things don't go as they planned, the best thing that we can do is come to God and say, God, what gives? What, what's going on here? Why, are, why am I going through this? Even if it does mean saying, I told you so. Now, let me just qualify that for a moment because I'm not at all advocating that we treat God like he ever owes us an explanation for anything. God doesn't owe us an explanation for anything that he does. No one can hold God accountable. He is the God who knows all things. He is he's above all things. Daniel chapter 4 verse 35 says, there is no one who can block his hand or say to him, what have you done? And Job says, if he snatches something, who can stop him? Who can ask him, what are you doing? We don't come to God like this because God owes us some kind of an explanation. In fact, as we'll soon see, God doesn't give Moses an explanation for his actions. No, we don't come to God expecting that he gives us an explanation or that we can hold him to account or he has to uh, give us some kind of reason for the things that he's doing. No, we can come to God and we should come to God to process these feelings of frustration when things go, don't go as they planned. When we come to God like that, we get the opportunity to hear God respond to us through his word. We get the opportunity to, to listen to his word and to understand what God is saying to us through his word. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. We're going to be focusing on God's response to Moses when Moses came to God and said, what gives? I knew this was going to happen. I told you so. So here's my main point for today. God loves you and he wants you to know him by name so that you can call on him in times of trouble. God loves us. And he wants us to be so familiar with him, to, be, to know him by name, to, to be on that first name basis with God. He wants us to know him, to be in that relationship with him. He wants us to know what he's done and he wants us to put our faith and our hope in what he is going to do, what he will do, what he's promised us 
especially in times of trouble. We, we need to know that. We need to know when, when trouble times come, when weather hits like this and, and things go out the window, when we look around the world and the things are going on, we need to know who God is. We need to know what God has done. We need to know the things that God has promised. So just to give you a bit of a brief overview, overview of Exodus 5 and 6, because we're not going to get to cover the whole lot today, uh, we could sum it up like this in, in kind of the, 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 the things that people are saying to one another. So firstly, Moses says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Then Pharaoh says to Moses, you can't be serious. Like you're dreaming, mate. Then after that, Pharaoh goes to the Israelites and Pharaoh says, you're all a bunch of slackers. Work harder. The Israelites then say to Moses, Moses, what did you do? Moses then says to God, I told you so. And then God says to Moses, watch this. And then chapter 6 ends with a, a genealogy of Moses and Aaron, particularly focusing on Aaron's role in the plagues uh, in the coming chapters. But it's God's response that I really want to focus on there. When God says to Moses, watch this. When God, when God brings, uh, comes back to Moses after Moses made this complaint to God, God says, hey, hey, watch this. And it's God's words to Moses that we need to hear for us today. Our text puts it like this. God responds to Moses. And in this response, he says three things very clearly. He says, I am I have, and I will. And those are the three points for this morning. I am, I have, and I will. Four times God says, I am. Four times God says, I have. And seven times God says, I will. And so those are the three points. We, sh- we need to know God. He is the I am. We need to remember what he's done, the I have. And we need to put our hope in the things that he is going to do. That is the I will. So first one, know God. In God's response to Moses, he says the phrase, I am the Lord, four times. Now that word Lord in the all caps there, that is the word Yahweh. That is the personal name of God. If you remember last week uh, when Shane was preaching uh, in Exodus chapter 3, God visits Moses in the burning bush. Moses says, who am I talking to? Who should I be addressing? And God says, uh, I am. I am the I. I am who I am. Shane said it last week, God is self-defining. And when Moses goes through this incredibly tough time and he cries out to God, God's reply four times is, I am the Lord. I am the I am. I am Yahweh. It's like he's saying, it's, it's me, Yahweh. Moses, it's me. One of the things that I need to do whenever my kids have a bad dream or something like that, one of the best things I can do as a dad is to say, it's, it's me, it's daddy, it's, it's me. You don't have to worry about anything. I'm here, I'm, I'm daddy, I'm here. That's the kind of familiarity that God wants us to have with him. He wants us to, to know that we can call upon him by his name. God is not distant and cold. He is close and he is loving. And he wants Moses to remember his name. And not just Moses, but he actually wants Moses to tell the people his name. He says, go to the people, tell them, 
I am the Lord. Tell, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. It's me. I'm here. They need to hear that. They need to know that they can call on me. This is the depth and the intimacy of the relationship that God invites us into. It's not a formal agreement. It's a relationship. God wants us to know that we're on a first name basis with him. He wants us to be that kind of familiar with him. The kind of familiarity that you can kind of you can walk into God's room and, and slump on his lap and, and curl up in his warmth and just download your day and say, Oh, I've had enough. That's the kind of relationship that we have with God. God is always there for us. We can call out to him whenever we want and he is listening. We don't have to wait till God is ready. We don't have to take a ticket and wait our turn. Right now, you can just start praying to God and he's listening. He's listening as if you praying is the only thing that is happening in the universe right now. And he invites us to have that relationship with him. Because that's what he wants to have with us. And that's what we were created to do. It's what we were created to have. Now, for some of us, when I said God wants to have a relationship with you, your heart sank a little bit. Now, that, be, that could be because you've let your relationship with God slide or, or drift a little bit for the last little while. It might be that that whole idea of a relationship with God is just one of those things that you've tried all the things, you've done all the Christian activities, and you just can't seem to quite tick off that, to check off that box. If that's you, I want you to know that you're not alone. In fact, you're in good company. Feeling disappointed that our relationship with God isn't where it should be it is something that many many people feel and god isn't looking at you disappointed with you that you haven't quite managed to get this right just yet he wants you he wants to have that relationship with you if that's where you're at if that personal relationship with god isn't flourishing and growing but it is rather feeling stagnant or stale, and I, and I think you know what I mean by that, then we need, we need to stop, stop doing stuff for God and instead spend time receiving God, receiving His love for us, receiving His love for us despite the fact that we have sinned against Him. It means we need to understand that we don't deserve his love for us. We don't deserve that at all. And yet, he pushes all that aside because he, he loves us. He, God, God loves you. And, and we need to hear that on repeat over and over again. You might get sick of me saying God loves you, but I, we just need to hear it over and over again. And if that's you, if that's where you're at, that your relationship with God is... It feels like it's drifted. It feels like you're not close with God. Maybe there was a time where it did feel nice and close, but right now it doesn't feel that way. Man, reach out. I would love to pray with you. Talk to your life group about it. Bring it up at the next life group and say, guys, I just feel like my relationship with God is not where it should be. And I would love some prayer. And I would love someone to walk alongside me with this. That would be a great thing for you and for that life group too. 
when Moses is angry at God and says, I told you so, God's response is, it's me. This is my name. You know my name. And I want to have that relationship with you. So firstly, we need to know who God is. Secondly, we need to remember what he's done. He says four times, I have. Four I haves. The first one is in verse 3, where God says to Moses, I have appeared to Abraham, Isaac, Isaac and Jacob. In other words, I'm the one who's made myself known. Those guys didn't stumble across me. It wasn't like I was trying to be hidden from them and they just happened to find me. No, I'm the one who appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He says in verse 4, I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. They didn't ask for it. I initiated this. I'm the one who made this promise. In other words, Moses, I'm not, I'm not the one who's hesitant here. I'm not the one who is apprehensive here. I, I don't need any help on this moving forward. In verse number five, he says, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites. So Moses doesn't have to wonder if God is compassionate enough or if God cares enough here. It's out of compassion that God was acting. And then again in verse five, it says, I have remembered my covenant. Now we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when God remembers his covenant. It's not that he forgot the covenant and then it came back to mind again. Rather, he... he, now was the time that God was acting. God, in his perfect wisdom, had designed things to go exactly according to plan, exactly according to this moment. And all of those things were not only true for Moses then, but they're also true for us now with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who appeared. He's the one who made himself known. He's the one who came to earth. But He's the one who initiated that. God sent his son to earth. Jesus is the one who established the new covenant in his blood so that everybody who believes in him will be made righteous by God, will be called righteous by God and will be regarded as perfect by God. God still hears us when we cry out to him. God continues to act for his glory according to the, and, and our best interest according to his perfect plan. You see, when we come to God with our I, I told you so's, we also need to be reminded that Christ has already done everything for us. We would do well to have on repeat in our minds, God loves me. God God loves me so much that he actually sent his, his son to take my place so that I could take his place. Beside God. That Jesus came and exchanged my sin for his righteousness. That's how much God loves me. We should have that on repeat in our minds over and over again. And the third thing is that we should hope in what God has promised. This is the seven I wills. And these seven I wills are aimed at giving Moses courage for the days, the weeks, and months, even years ahead. The first I will is in verse 1, where Moses, sorry, when God says, You will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of a strong hand, he will let them go. And because of a strong hand, he will drive them from his land. So that first I will is that God will flex his strong hand against Pharaoh and it will be so unbearable for Pharaoh that he will drive the people out of his land. 
God's hand against Pharaoh will be so agonizing for Pharaoh that he will act against the economic advantage of slavery and drive those people out of the land himself. The next six I wills are all contained in verses 6 to 8. God says, I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. He's talking about salvation there. The situation you're in will be no more. I am rescuing you from it. I will save you. He then says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. So redemption is like the other side of the coin of salvation. So he not only saves them from slavery, but he also redeems them. He purchases them at a cost so that they now belong to to him. They become his. He says, I will take you as my people. God is adopting them as his own people. He is making them his. They, the, the people of Egypt, are no, so the people of Israel, they are no longer going to be slaves of Egypt. Now they're going to be the children of God. And, more, and, and then more than that, he also says, I will be yours. So I will, I, will be, I will take you as my people and I will be yours. You will be mine and I will be yours. And that's probably my favorite one there. I will be yours. The fact that God gives himself to us in such a way that he says, I will be yours. That's massive, right? Like that's huge. God gives himself to us. One of the things that we can and should do when we pray is don't just address God as God, but address God as my God. That he belongs to us. My God, I challenge you for the next week. When you pray, pray my God instead of just God. See how that changes your prayer life. The last two are in verse 8. He says, I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. In other words, I'm not just going to go with you. I'm going to take you to that land. And I'm not just going to take you to that land and, and see you off and say, good luck, all the best. I'm actually going to, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to hand it over to you as a possession for you. You'll possess it. It'll be yours. The reason why this is important for us to really understand is because all of these seven I wills all come true. They, they all come to pass. God promises these things and he delivers on all of these promises, all of his promises. When Moses comes to God and says, you haven't rescued your people at all, God says, I will. I will. And see, all of us are waiting for the fulfillment of God's I will. We're we're waiting for that I will to pass, to, to come to pass. You see, we live in the overlap of the two ages in between the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. And that means that we currently experience both the I haves and the I wills of God. It means that we can look back at the I haves of God, the things that God has done already for us that are true and complete and are done. The, the sending of, God, of God's Son, Jesus Christ, the, the, how He lived His life, how He uh, died the death that we deserve, was raised to life, um, appeared to the disciples, ascended into heaven. All those things God has done, they, they are done, they are in the past. And yet there is also this I will that we are waiting for. 
For we are waiting for Jesus Christ to return, where he brings us into the new heavens and the new earth, and, and all things are made right again. There will come a time where Jesus will return and he will gather those who believe in him and he will not cast them out, but he will instead raise them up on the last day. And and friends, we've got to keep an eye on that last day. We've got to keep an eye on that last day where God will bring us into the new heavens and the new earth and, and we'll see God face to face and we'll be with him for eternity and it will be perfect and wonderful and excellent and we will be forever satisfied in Jesus Christ. We'll never need anything in our lives again. And we've got to let that day frame this day. The day that Jesus Christ returns has got to be the day that frames this day, that determines this day. You see, sometimes we read the story of Moses and we kind of look down on it like a, with like a, third, a, a bird's eye view. Like we can read what's going on here for Moses and then all we've got to do is turn a few pages and we can see how it all kind of comes to pass. But the reality for Moses is that he was living these days one day at a time. He was experiencing these things one day at a time. He had to process these things one day at a time. Now we can look there and we can say, oh, that's easy for for Moses to trust in God because we know how the story ends. But for Moses, that wasn't how he experienced it. Our reality is that we have to live each day as it comes. We have to process each day as it comes and, and experience each day as it comes. But for the people of God, because of the I wills of Jesus Christ, we know actually how our story ends. We know how all of this is going to end. Our reality is that we know how it's going to end for those of us who believe in Jesus. We will have eternal life. We, we do have eternal life now. We will be raised up on that last day. Jesus says this in John chapter 6, verse 40. He says, Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Therefore, we should look at our own lives with that same bird's eye view. We should look down in our lives and say, Yes, this is hard right now, but ultimately... God is going to make things all good again. You see, we have a God who has revealed himself to us. He sent his son to die on a cross for us, to forgive our sins and to bring us into a relationship with him. And he promises us that at the end of all things, he's going to take us into heaven and everything is going to be incredible. This is really beautifully told in Revelation 21. In the very end of our Bibles, the Apostle John writes of his revelation in uh, chapter 21, verse 3. He says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Now, now that there, John is quoting Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, which we've been citing this morning. I will be theirs, and they will be mine. Now watch how John describes it and what it's going to look like when that I will fully comes to pass. Verse 4, he says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Here's the point. 
The troubles that you're facing today and this week and this month and that you're going to face this year, they all belong to a category or they all one day will belong to a category called the previous things that have passed away. And that's only because of God's love for us and his desire to, ha- to give us eternal life and to have that eternal relationship with us. That's what eternal life is. It's to, to know God, know God in this way. And it's only possible when we trust in Jesus Christ to save us from our Egypt, to save us from our sins. That's why we can call out to him in times of trouble. Because we know who he is. We know he's the God who saves. We know what he's done. We know that he sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross to take away our sins. And we know that there will come a day where that will be perfectly complete. Friends, let's live according to the truth that the things that we're walking through right now will one day be called the things, the previous things that have passed away. Death will be no more. Grief will be no more. Crying and pain will be gone. And God will wipe away our tears. And God will say to us, I told you so. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church, located on the Sunshine Coast. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples and communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC. 